The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Tonight at the main event, what do we have? Who do we have? You know what it is. It's Taco Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of the Points in the Pain podcast. Ben Wittenstein. Zach Badgerhouse here. Quarantine. You still quarantine? Still quarantine. Still in our own homes doing this remotely. But there's still NBA to talk about. We appreciate everyone subscribing, listening, wherever you may be uh, quarantined at. We hope we're making it at least a little bit easier. Take you know, 30, you know. yeah, 30 minutes out of your day to listen to some NBA stuff going on. And there's still NBA stuff going on. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, points and points at points paint. You can follow Zach or myself on Twitter, follow Stadium on Twitter. Um, but Zach, let's just get right into it as we always do, starting with number one, the big three of the big three, and uh, some of the bigger news that came out. I think it was earlier last week. Uh, Woj, I believe, broke this, but it had to do with the California high school prospect uh, Jalen Green, and he made some big news because he said he's going to be skipping college. And instead of going to a college basketball school, he's going to be going to the G League. And in the G League, he's going to be making at least $500,000 to play in the G League, develop in the G League for a year, and then be eligible for the NBA draft the year after. And this, I mean, this made huge ripples across the NBA world simply because we've seen a little bit of this with some players in the past couple of years forego college to either go play overseas or wait a year and train to, for the NBA draft. But this is kind of the first time where we've seen someone take this much money to skip college, go play in the G league and get ready for the NFL draft or NBA draft this way. And it's been big because this could, this could possibly be a huge moment where it shifts, where some bigger name players in high school, instead of going to college, they go to the G league. Yeah. The next, uh, the next prospect, probably to get paid if he doesn't go straight out of high school to the NBA and goes to the G League, it's probably going to be Imani Bates. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 2020, the 2022 uh, number one player, and he's better than the 2020 class. He's better than every player in the 2020 class, too. He's been uh, publicized that way, and it's been official across all uh, high school um, prospect like rivals and all those other websites. So like the fact that Jalen Green got 500,000 and there are, there's a player out there that's better than him shows you the potential of like where this could take off. Like we may see a G league prospect get a million dollars, get a million dollar contract in the next two years. So, you know, you just never know. And for a guy like Jalen Green to come out of high school, you know, number one player in, in his class in the 2020 class and to opt out, of college and go make some money and where he doesn't, the, the thing about the G league that makes it cool is that they don't have to go overseas. 
So like they don't have to go overseas and miss out, miss seeing their family, miss seeing their friends, being away from home. Like they don't have, they don't have to deal with that anymore. They now have the luxury to stay home in the U.S. and make some money, not have to go to school, but have the option to go to school with the G League because they're partnering with them to make sure they'll be able to go to school and get an education as well. Make some money for your family and be put in a position uh, to sell yourself, to not be able to sell yourself short by going to school and possibly risking an injury. When you, right. can set yourself, when you can set yourself up to make some money. So if you do get hurt, you have a backup plan because you've been able to make some money off what you've been capable of doing, which is playing yeah, basketball that, at a high level. And that's, I mean, that's the most important part. It's, I mean, it, we've seen the NBA in the past 10 years, even maybe the past 15 years, become a very star-shaped league. Um, instead of just a team-shaped league, it's very driven by the stars. So you have someone like Jalen Green, who's potentially a number one draft pick in 2021, deciding here, let me go make my money now. In case I get hurt, I'm still going to be playing against pretty good talent in the G League, potential NBA players, and you have the the possibility of NBA teams making it easier to see you play. So all three of those put together, it's a pretty good deal for Jalen. I mean, he's able to get a lot of money. He's the first one who's participating in this developmental program, which is what the G League is calling it. Um, and and it could be a huge shift. We may see some of these top prospects say, you know what, I don't need to go to college I don't, first of all, I'm not going to be making any money in college. If I go to the G League, I still get the eyes of the NBA on me and I get to make money for my family. I mean, I think that's the big part of this is make your money now, Zach. Do you think, but do you think this is the death of college basketball though? Because uh, like no. top prospects are going to, yeah, me neither. I, you know, I don't believe that either. I don't believe just because like number one or number three or number five uh, player in the nation going into like a college situation. I don't think just because they don't have them playing in NCAA doesn't mean that it's going to, it's going to fail. I mean, we had LeBron not go. We've had Dwight Howard not go. And those guys were number one guys in their high school class at the point in time. We, we've seen it. Like we've seen this before. We've seen Kobe Bryant skip. We've seen Kevin Garnett skip. We've seen Tracy great skip all these guys are hall of fame uh, players but the college game has still survived the college basketball game still survived and it will continue to survive because not every player is that elite talent to be able to go to school or to go to uh to the nba right away and that's what's gonna weave out the the good and the bad and that's why the g league is pretty uh it's pretty good with this with this narrative too with this idea of you know we can get you ready for the nba because we are the the, the pipeline for we are the literally the direct pipeline for going to the NBA, the NBA G League. Right. And that's the thing is someone for myself, I went to Indiana who you, you don't get much basketball crazy than Indiana university. <laughs> no matter, no matter who goes to IU, you're always going to be having 15, 16, 17,000 people show up to those games. It just doesn't matter what the talent level is. You're just going to have people who are basketball crazy show up to these schools simply because people went to the colleges. I mean, people are always going to support their colleges, no matter who is going to be playing. We've seen LaMelo Ball exactly. go overseas to play. RJ Hampton is playing uh, overseas as well. So we're seeing these big name players go overseas just this season and forego college. And college basketball seemed fine to me. I mean, it was almost as exciting as it has been this past season with all the upsets happening in the first couple months than it has been in a long time. So I just don't think, unless there is a just a monumental shift where almost every big prospect doesn't go to college, it would be so hard to take the machine that is college basketball down in, you know, five or ten years. It'd be impossible. It'd definitely be impossible, especially with, like, March Madness. March Madness alone, like, guys live for that. Guys dream of playing in that tournament to be to be a national champion. Like, like Tugs. Remember, do you remember Brian Bowen, the guy that got kicked out of Louisville and ended up going to South Carolina and ended up being ultimately ineligible? Yeah. 
he wanted to play college basketball. Like he actually wanted to play. Like he didn't want to have to go overseas and be ruled ineligible because of what his father did behind his back and this and that. So like the idea of a top prospect wanting to go to college and wanting to win a national championship, it's still out there. Like those, those are, that just proves that there are still top talented kids who dream of playing for their dream school that they grew up watching. And that's totally, uh, that's totally fine in today's game. Yeah, and Zach, we are never going to run out of six foot one white guys who can shoot lights out from the perimeter <laughs> in college. So I think college basketball is going to be very fine as long as we don't run out of those type of people. You know, your your JJ Redick type of people who just constantly hit from downtown that makes the college game just always fun for those six one white guys. <laughs> you are so silly. The interesting thing, the interesting thing about this too, I wanted to mention with Jalen Green is it'll be interesting to see. I personally, I've never really seen much of a Jalen Green tape, but it'll be to see if he does in the G League or if he stays the same and then how well that translates back to the NBA. Because most likely he'll be fine. He'll get drafted in the NBA, probably top five, and he'll have a really good NBA career. But if he doesn't, there's going to be a lot of people that blame this program for possibly the reason he doesn't play well. You know what? And what's interesting about that is whether he whether he was to go to school or not or go overseas or not, you know, you know, that one year you got to sit out before you can rule yourself eligible for the NBA draft. It's like what's going to be the ultimate difference? The ultimate difference really is going to be that he may not even have to get drafted. He may you know, because you're going to play on a G League team. And if you play well enough, you just get moved up. So he may not even be in that situation and you're going to make $500,000. So like when you get moved up that 10 day that you're going to get to move up, like that's not going to be no money compared to the 500,000 that you're, that you're going to be ultimately getting. And it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how this pans out moving forward with the money, because like, who's to say that the next kid, you know, 2021, before that 2022 class that I told you about, which they're going to be hopefully having kids come out of high school by then. But if not, I'm saying the next kid that could possibly do that is going to be Monty Bates of that 2022 class. And that's going to be some money that's going to be definitely going to be higher than 500000 because he, he can be the first pick in the draft this year right now when he's only 16 years of age. And so, like, moving forward, we don't even actually know like what's going to be the next step with the G league in terms of like paying these guys. Cause I think the pay raise is going to have to go up, especially when you started. Right. It's, it's going to be high expectations for the money. And I'm, I'm one of those people who are on the side of, I don't think the NBA should have an age restriction. I think if you're good enough to play in the NBA and an NBA team will draft you, there shouldn't be anything stopping them from being able to draft you. Um, but I think this move, what this move signifies is I think that means that that rule that they have where you have to have at least one year in between your high school graduation and playing in the NBA, I, I don't think that's going anywhere now, especially if they're investing millions and millions of dollars into this program that brings kids into the G League rather than going to college. It lets them kind of have that one gap year where they train with NBA talent, NBA legends, former athletes, things like that, where they're able to get better. It's a transition thing. But I would just rather have them get rid of that rule where you have to have one year out of high school before you can get drafted. But I just don't think that's going anywhere now. It has to like fast though, because like there people's all people are already criticizing like these decisions based off uh like based off like college, like well, will the college basketball game survive and this and that. Like 
Like, it's just like they have to eliminate it because that's the only way this is going to be fixed. Like you're going to you're going to you're going to still have those conversations over and over and over again until you make that decision where, OK, yeah, you can come out of high school straight out because every other sports league has that. And like Stan Van Gundy said it best, like former former Orlando Magic coach, former Detroit Piston coach, he said it best. Like, why is it that baseball players out of high school can go become pro and go go up and be in part of these minor league uh, minor leagues? And same thing with uh, what other sport did he mention? He mentioned in hockey, NHL, yeah, NHL. You can do the same thing in NHL, but why is it that for basketball that's not the same case when it should be? No, I 100% agree. I think it just if you have the talent. You have the talent. You should be able to play in the highest league in the world if if you're able to and a team thinks you should. I, I don't think it would affect it that much if they didn't have that rule. I agree. Perfect. Love when we agree. <laughs> we'll move on to uh, we'll move on to number two of uh, our big three. The big three. And that involves the playoffs, which hopefully I'm hoping will still happen, Zach. And it's looking more and more like it probably may not. But if the playoffs. Scary. The thing is, we can probably say goodbye to the rest of the season being completed. I don't want to do that either. You got to win the championship. LeBron LeBron and the Lakers were supposed to win. This was the year. Like, this is the only year he really had the opportunity because that window is closing. And then Kevin Durant is coming back. And, like, that's going to make the East more tough for Giannis. And it's just, man, it sucks. And the playoffs were supposed to start on Saturday. And here we are. Oh. Yeah, that's never it was. I was seeing all those tweets on Twitter about, oh, the NBA playoffs are supposed to start today. And it it really uh, it upset me. You know, it's tough to it's see your heart. Yeah, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be right now. talking about game one yep. of the matchups. So if the playoffs started today, we are supposed to be talking about matchups like the Milwaukee Bucks and Orlando, the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Talk about John Moran versus the Lakers like. We're supposed to be talking about Houston Rockets losing in the first round and Russell Westbrook being disappointed after losing that first game to the Utah Jazz because they're technically <laughs> on the road right now. And you know what else sucks is that the Oklahoma City Thunder are tied with the – if the playoffs – oh, my goodness. Yeah, because we playoffs. were talking about OKC. We were talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder having a better record than the, than the Houston Rockets. So now we right. make know. We may not know. And what also sucks is that they currently have the same record right now. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, the same like that makes it worse. It does. Because that would have been amazing that we, first of all, wished for that to happen back in January. And then that actually, we were just saying that kind of off the cuff. We were like, oh, that would be hilarious. And now it actually is a thing that may actually have happened. Could have happened. Yes. It would have been amazing. But the thing that I wanted to bring up, which. We can talk about something else, but the fact that, you know, it's a tight race for that eighth spot in the West. So, I mean, would you like to see if the NBA can come back? Would you like them? Would you like to see them just start with the playoffs and just say, you know, if you're one through eight right now, you're in the playoffs. Sorry to the Trailblazers and the Pelicans and the Kings who are all within three, three and a half games of that eighth spot in the West. Sorry to you guys. We just have to play the playoffs. You have to like, you just have like, there's, there's no point in trying to like finish the season or play more games. And that's going to suck for those teams that are fighting for a playoff spot in the West, because like the East, like who cares? Honestly, like I'm not one of those people who believe that the West is stronger than the East or vice versa, but like they're, those guys are so far off. Like the ninth seed is six games, six games below, as opposed to like out in the West, like the West is a little tighter. Like you said, three, three and a half games apart. So like maybe the West would be more frustrated than the East. 
However, like we got to start now. Like it would have to start today, and it would have to be Lakers, Grizzlies. It would have to be Clippers, Mavericks. It would have to be the Nuggets and the Thunder. It would have to be the Jazz and the Rockets in the in in first round of the playoffs. And out east, it would have to be Bucks, Magic, Raptors, Nets, Celtics. Sixers and Heat Pacers like that's what it would have to be if it started today because we can't backtrack because all this time has already taken place like we've already missed a whole month of basketball you know on top of another what two weeks of the regular season leading into this month of uh, April so yeah no. I mean I think I agree they have to they have to just at this point it has to come to an understanding where the regular season is is probably gone you have to just you have to start with the playoffs you do if you if you want the rest of this NBA season to continue you have to start the playoffs and i think also we talked about this the past couple of weeks if they were to say all right we're going to start the playoffs july 1st you are going to have to give them at least a week to get back into game shape because that game one of every playoff two series two is going weeks. to be yeah at least two weeks because that that first game is going to be like what you would see at 10 p.m. at your local YMCA. It is going to be trash. Definitely need two weeks. They definitely need two-week training camp, and they got to finish the season. But, see, I was thinking, like, remember when we talked about it last time, about what they should do, and we were, you know, we were strongly on Vegas. And I'm still strongly on having, like, it, having it in Vegas because there's four venues in Vegas. So what you could do is put four teams in four different places, and then you can go from there. You could have – you have one set of teams playing in this arena and one set of team playing in this one and then so forth. And you can kind of do it from there. Now, whether or not they want to have people at these events, that's a whole nother thing. But like the season has to end with somebody being a winner, like like somebody has to win the championship. Like it may not be the same case for like another sport like baseball that started in like late, like late March, early April, where they probably don't know what they're going to have to do because like technically their season is among is among right now. But like for the for the uh, NBA to play all these games, 70 percent of these games, 75 percent of these games and to not have a champion. No, that can't happen. Yeah. I, I mean, I would agree. And I think there's precedent, too. We've seen where seasons that have been cut short by, you know, lockouts and things like that. They've still yeah. they they haven't played 82 games, but they obviously still have the playoffs and in the finals. And that, I mean, it's a little different because the lockout was at the front end and in this whole pandemic to the back end. But you still there's still precedent for not playing 82 games and being able to have a champion. So it's not like this would be outrageously crazy to have a shortened season and to have an NBA champion. So it's something that I think they, they should be looking into. And it's going to be something that would have to happen in the summer later on and probably without fans, but there's gotta be Adam Silver's a smart enough person to figure out a way to probably get the ball rolling on, on at least having the playoffs. Now the problem was going to be is then do you want to start the season later? Because if you have the finals starting in late July, early August, you're not going to have that full off season. So, right. So then you'd have to go to Christmas, which I think they've been wanting to do anyway, or at least thinking about doing anyway. And something like this would just push them to do it even more. Exactly. And so like, it has to be December 25th, 2020 first start. And you play like 10 games, you put like 10 games on. So you got 20 teams playing on Christmas. That's a lot. That would be a lot. (laughs) That would be awesome. That would be the best Christmas ever is what that would be. games on ABC, ESPN, TNT. It'll it'll work itself out. I agree. All right, we'll go on to our third of the big three. The big three. And that involves the uh, horse contest that was on this past week. Uh, I don't know if you watched any of it, Zach. I watched a little bit of it, but what did you think? It looked. My reaction was, "Mm, okay, you know, it was. 
We needed it's something. something. Yeah, we yeah, it was something. I guess something is better than nothing. So like as long as something's better than nothing, you really can't complain too much. But yeah. I mean, I guess the quality of the video, I mean, to, to each his own, that probably could have been better. But like, you know what I'm saying? It's a quarantine situation. So who actually knows like how much of that you can really control? I mean, Ali Quigley, she did good in the first round. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul, he suffered. He suffered the loss. And so like, <laughs> he yeah, he suffered the loss. He, <laughs> it was bad. Trey Young but, struggled with his. I just found it hilarious that you have these all star and possible Hall of Famers, you know, shooting it on hoops in their driveway. Just like, you know, a 15-year-old kid would be doing. I thought that was hysterical to see, like, Trey Young miss these shots and then to be like, well, maybe it was because, you know, his basket is on a little bit of an angle because his driveway is going downward and that type of thing. And just to see them having to struggle with that is – maybe laugh so hard. That wouldn't even be like – that shouldn't even be the case, though, right there off the strip. They're like – you chose your driveway to be that way. And then oh, you I chose for your rim to be there too as well. <laughs> like it's just so much like to that. It's like, eh, no, Trey, that's your fault. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely that had been like a 10, 15 year old basket too that he was shooting on. It just looked like the most jankiest basket. Just new, new netting. Obviously, I think they probably sent them a new net, but there is no way anyone had shot that much on that hoop in a years. Long time. <laughs> so you know I'm mad, right? Because who, who won this? Who won the horse contest? <laughs> it, was, it was one Mike Conley who had his own personal gym, apparently. Oh, my God. So the dude who made too much money <laughs> yeah. for a team where he doesn't even start on anymore won the horse tournament challenge, Mike Conley Jr. And if anybody listens to this podcast, they know I am not a fan of Mike Conley Jr. So the fact that he won this horse tournament, I was not happy. It was not a happy camp. I mean, it makes sense for someone who had – he was in an inside gym, and and you had someone like Zach Levine who had to battle, like, literal rain and wind on his outdoor court. Didn't didn't seem exactly 100% fair. No, it wasn't fair. Yeah, Mike Conley being in a gym, that wasn't really – but see, that's the thing. Like, Zach Levine – he said that he was able, he he could have been able to go to a gym because he was. Remember, remember when they did the 2K challenge, Zach Levine, he was uh he was talking to DeAndre Aiden and he was saying how he's still been able to work out with the gym that he has like around the corner from him and then also being able to play like you know say out at his at his house like how you said uh, during the horse challenge. So like he could have went to a gym too, I'm I'm sure, but he probably wanted to just be like in a in a space where uh, he would would receive like any criticism for being like out yeah. At the gym. That's actually, I bet you're 100% right on that. He was just trying to either set a good example or probably more likely just not get yelled at for being inside. But I don't yeah. I don't really think anyone yelled at Mike Conley. It was just more of a, how the hell did you have did access you to that nice of a gym? <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? I'm also surprised no one sent them professional cameras. I mean, they were literally filming from, like, their laptops or from their iPads. Or, like, phones or something, yeah. So it was a little shaky with the with – the, uh... With how it was presented but other than that i mean it gave us something that was better than nothing i'm pretty sure they probably won't do it again though no i, I <laughs> doubt that they will do it again they, it looked like they didn't want to do it again after that first day on sunday night <laughs> it looked like a lot of them were like oh god we have to do this all again this again yep <laughs> kind of wild but i mean overall listen it was it was a live sporting event in the loosest of terms and i guess it was something over this quarantine uh we'll go to stat of the week now as uh, we normally do in this one. And the stat of the week, it's kind of a big uh, big number, 25%, Zach, and that's the amount in salary reduction 
that the NBA Players Association agreed to starting on May 15th. The players are going to have a 25% reduction in their salary um, until everything starts to get going again. Now, the caveat here is that, uh, as it was reported, that this would be an escrow account, um, as I believe what it's called, where if they do end up playing all the remaining regular season games, they would get that money back. Ah. But if, if they don't play the regular season games like we were talking about, where maybe they start in the playoffs, uh, they would not be able to keep this money. I think the teams would get some and the league would get some of that back, obviously, with them having not paid the players 25% more. So the players will be losing some money starting on May 15th, but they may get it back if the rest of the season plays out. But, I mean, that just shows you how, I don't want to say desperate, but how deep of a situation this is where the NBA has to not pay their players in full. Yeah, this coronavirus pandemic, it's really – it's really turned its corner, man. It's really put a lot of things in a position where guys are going to lose some money. But on the bright side, if they're able to at least, like, return and be able to uh, play those games, which I don't really believe they will, then they're probably just going to lose out on that money. I mean, what, what do you think? You think they're going to lose out more than likely on this money? Yeah, more than likely. I, I mean, I just don't – it would be an absolute miracle if they were able to play the rest of the season and then into the playoffs at this point. Exactly. That would be that would be insane, and I mean that would be great. I would love for that to happen, but I just there's I just don't think there's any way. I think those players are going to be losing that money anyway. Right, which leads also to, to like who's. It also leads to this question: Who will be mostly affected by this? Right, like which guys are we looking at that are going to be mostly affected, and who's going to look to take care of those guys? The twelfth man, right? The fifteen right. man, like the fifteenth guy, you know, on the roster, because there's what technically seventeen guys on the roster. So like the guys who don't get playing time are the guys that aren't necessarily on a full NBA contract, two way contract. Like how does that work for them? You know, like that twenty five percent. So if I only get fifty two thousand dollars, and I get and twenty five percent of it is taken away, what does that leave me now? You know, so it's just different. There's different scenarios with that where it may not sound like. It could hurt someone, especially like the LeBrons of the world or like the Kevin Durant or the Giannis or, the you know, all the guys who are top paid, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you know, uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, like all the guys who are paid top dollar, Jimmy Butler paid top dollar. It may not affect them as much. But what about the lower end guys? You know, like who's going to take care of them? So I think that's something that they kind of have to consider and look at the question, too, as they move forward with that uh with that decision but at least the players association they were on board with it so they may have a plan to you know help the little guys out because you remember in the nfl yeah. in the nfl you know they had that conversation too about playing playing paying the guys if they're going to add another game and then you had you know other nfl guys coming out saying that we you know we'll take care of the the guys who don't have the big time contracts you have to see the, see that same energy put in in the nba too as well yeah, and we're seeing I, – yeah, I have to give credit to a lot of the players and, and the uh, people who work in the NBA because March 26th, so uh, about a month ago, the NBA said that their top 100 earning executives would take a 20% pay cut, so that included Adam Silver. So at least they started with their own pay cuts to try to avoid players' salaries, and yeah, unfortunately that wasn't able to happen. But you do have to – it is is great leadership, and I think the NBA has done a great job in leading for everything. I mean, obviously with the Rudy Gobert situation where they just immediately shut down the league, which caused other leagues to follow suit. And then you had people like Mark Cuban who unprompted brought up the the idea of paying the workers who work in, in the arenas uh, the, the money that they would have made with the NBA games that were taking place there. So, I mean, the, the reduction in salary is terrible for the players. It's bad for the lower-end players, like you said, but – the fact that the NBA and, and the ownership and, and some of the executives are helping pay the, the lower guy, I guess, helps it out a little bit. 
So they're going to be taken care of, hopefully, moving forward after that uh, May 15th reduction starts. You know, hopefully they're going to be taken care of. And by they, I mean like the little guys, the young guys, the guys that you uh, they don't get that much playing time or any playing time. That's usually in a suit or in their warmups for most of the game. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, those guys who need the money. <laughs> they, they don't. Giannis doesn't need the money. Yeah, you know. Except he probably needs money to move to a bigger house with a gym, because if he yeah he plays basketball in like a month and a half, so yeah he definitely yeah. needs to relocate, not out of Milwaukee, but just you know somewhere different. Which uh yeah stay in Milwaukee. Happens. Yeah, hopefully he stays. <laughs> All right, it's time for overreaction. Or no. Or no. What's the overreaction? So, I have a lot of conversations, Ben, with a lot of different people in regards. You're to very sports. important. Specifically, <laughs> I wish, specifically uh, basketball as it relates to new era versus old era and so on and so forth. You know, people always say, well, who's the go to basketball? Who's the greatest of all time? Is it LeBron? Is it Jordan? Is it Kobe? Is it Will? Is it Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Like, is it Bill Russell? Like, who is it? And so you always have that thing about eras where it's like Michael, with Michael Jordan, it's like, oh, he played in the era where, like, he dominated. But it's like, could he have played in – the 2000s, the 2010s, and still been have and still have been dominant. So my thing is, is this. This is my scenario, and you tell me is this an overreaction? If Michael Jordan was drafted in 1996, so the same year as Kobe Bryant, Steve Nash, Tom Marbury, I believe Marcus Canby, just to name a few, just to name a few. If he was drafted in that same draft class, like how many championships would Michael Jordan have? And like. It's kind of weird to break it down like that because, you know, Phil Jackson, he coached the Lakers in 2000, 2001, 2002, you know, so he wouldn't have been a part of the Bulls team in that same era. But I'm basically establishing it like this. If you take the best Bulls team and you had them play in the 2000s, how many championships did they win? So that's so like that's like a video game scenario. It's like NBA 2K20. So you pull up. Like the uh, 96 Bulls, and then you put up the 2000 Lakers. Which team wins? The 2001 Lakers. Which team wins? You know, 2002, and then you go like San Antonio Spurs. They won in 2003. So, like, who would win the matchup between Michael Jordan, right, against Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, Bruce Bowen? Uh, who else was on that team? Uh, Tim Duncan, obviously. Like, so, like, will Michael Jordan beat the 2003 Spurs, San Antonio Spurs team, the 96 Bulls? You would say yes, right? I would, yeah, I'd probably say yes. And so, like, the 2004 uh, championship, it was the Pistons and the Lakers. So do you think the uh, 96 Bulls could beat the 2004 Detroit Pistons team? Ooh, yeah, that's a tough one. You think I, that's I, a tough one? I would I would probably say they would. But, that I man, that, that Pistons team was so good. It was because they were able to play defense, and they held a lot of teams under, like, 100 points consistently all the yeah. time. And, obviously, you know what I'm saying, that team went on a – went on a run and they went to seven straight Eastern Conference Finals. But this is Michael Jordan we're talking about. So who's going to check right. Mike? I mean, he's the best player on the court. Yeah. Right. So who's checking Mike? So Tayson Prince checking Michael Jordan. What does Mike, what does Sha- uh, Shaquille O'Neal say? Barbecue chicken. <laughs> so I don't, I don't expect, I don't expect Tayson Prince to be able to check Michael Jordan. I don't expect uh, River Ham- Richard Hamilton to be able to check Michael Jordan. Like I, I just don't expect that. And so, you have to be able to you have to be able to answer that question. If you believe that Michael Jordan is not going to win as many championships 
in this millennium, so like in the 21st century, if you believe he wouldn't win those championships, all you got to do is put up the teams who played in those championships and ask yourself the best Bulls team. Could that Bulls team beat those beat those contenders? And my answer is yes. He's, he can beat most of them. So if he went on that I, run, I, I believe so. Let me tell you, Rasheed Wallace versus Dennis Rodman matchup would have been amazing. <laughs> it would, no, that would have been incredible. Yeah, they both would have been executive the first quarter. Like they would have yeah, been they, not, neither of them would have played more than five minutes a game. <laughs> exactly. They would have been gone. I think that's an interesting question. And, and, and the fact that, you know, if we're saying Jordan, if Jordan was drafted in 96, would he still be as dominant? And I think it's interesting because this is kind of a, a cop-out, but you look at you look at what Jordan brought in the in the late 80s and the early 90s, and he was, I mean, he was really, along with, like, Magic Johnson, he was kind of one of those Light early years players. ahead of everybody. <laughs> yeah, he was, first of all, he was ahead of everybody. He was just so dominant. But he was really the guy that helped transform the NBA into into teams who were looking for those faster guys and those guys who could shoot rather than the, you know, the big players, the the big centers, the big forwards, those guys who could dominate inside. Jordan and, and Magic kind of changed the, the thinking into, you know, we need more skill players. We need more players who can be quick off the dribble, who can be quick with the ball, who can be quick passing wise. They kind of changed that. So if that you know had, who I'll add to that, you know, who I'll add to the two of those, you know, who? who I would add, I would add Isaiah Thomas. Because yeah. that's probably Isaiah Thomas is probably next to next to Magic Johnson. He probably the next guard in line to lead a team to a championship in the NBA. He probably the first one. I mean, I mean, Magic Johnson, he's 6'9". I mean, he got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But in terms of, like, a guard leading a team to a championship before Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, this was the 80s, you know, that was – and you had Charles Barkley in the 90s as well, and you had Bill Lambeer, and you had these oh, all huge big. just, just stalking players. Yeah. yeah all about and, the and, Jordan, and Jordan changed it. I mean, he changed the way teams looked at how to build – their team into a contender. So if that hadn't happened until Jordan was drafted in 96, then I think that he would have just as good of a chance as any, but you know, if something happened where you had more skill guys coming in uh, before Jordan would have been drafted, I think it may have been a little bit of a different story because he would have had at least competition up to his type of level of play. Think about this for a second, Ben. When Michael Jordan retired the first time and, you know, he took that 18 months off to play baseball or whatever. Think about this for a second. During that time frame, when like when Michael Jordan comes back, think about all the guards that start to get drafted from like '96 on. So you got Vince yeah. Carter getting drafted in '98. You got Tracy McGrady getting drafted in like '97. You got Kobe Bryant getting drafted in '96. Uh, it's like you got all these different level of guards, like these bigger guys that are the same kind of uh, size as Michael Jordan, six 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 seven you know, uh, 200 pounds, 215 pounds coming in and with a lot of upside, with a lot of high talent. So it's just like that, those little those little things right there can show you like how the NBA was starting to transform from relying so much on the big man to do all the, do all the work for you or be the number yeah. one guy. And if you don't believe me, Michael Jordan was the first shooting guard to ever win MVP. Before that, it was, I mean, it was mostly all forwards. Or bigs, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was, so, I mean, that's that's how much he changed the NBA where, I mean, you had guys like Kareem and, and Bill Walton and Moses Malone and Dr. J winning MVPs. And then Michael Jordan wins MVPs and all of a sudden, Allen Iverson, MVP, Steve Nash, MVP, Kobe, MVP. It changes where the smaller guys, the more 
athletic, quick, fast she guys likes. are the ones who are MVP. Yeah, he got two, right? Even yeah. Steph Curry, he has two. So, yeah, you absolutely are correct. Like, you know what I'm saying? The guard position definitely started to turn and started to change, and people started recognizing, oh, I can take a team to a championship with with a guard. But, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be fun to watch him play in his prime in the 2000s against some of these guys. I mean, him him and T-Mac going against each other would be incredibly fun. I mean, you, you have some of these, like, mid-2000s classic guys who would be so fun to watch playing against Michael Jordan because they, I mean, it took five or 10 years for the general populace of the NBA to catch up to his athleticism and talent level and speed and everything like that. Um, but if he were to play like that in the mid 2000s, I think it'd be an enormously fun to watch. Definitely be entertaining because he was de- he was a defensive sounding guy. That is Michael Jordan. People forget he is a guy that won a defensive uh, player of the year award. Like, early in his career so like to be a top defensive player too like he would probably put a lot of pressure on your favorite player or your best player uh growing up you know what I'm saying? Who, who's to say that you know uh michael jordan doesn't come back and just cross uh alan iverson right like later on in his career like he doesn't do him dirty how uh, alan iverson did him so there's just so many ways that you can like look at it and break it down and that's why I just always say, like, yeah, Michael Jordan's the best because I believe he could have played in any era because he was one of one. Like, nobody was like him in right. the confidence level and everything else. Like, nobody was like Mike. So It would have been fun. I mean, LeBron versus Jordan is is the matchup everyone would die to to see how that would work out, some of LeBron's exactly. teams against the Bulls. I mean, that would just be – you. You, I'd pay millions of dollars to watch that at this point. <laughs> so, what's NBA Twitter talking about this week, man? What it do, baby? Yeah. What is NBA Twitter talking about this week? And as our uh, Kawhi sound effect tells us, <laughs> let's let's start with Kawhi. And it, I just found this hilarious. This was being reported we about Lou Will. Talk about Kawhi. Oh, I so mean, he's funny. he's a fun guy. He's the most interesting, boring person on planet Earth. I think you could say. He, I, don't, I just don't know why people like talking about him. I like talking about him, and he's just incredibly bland and just not bland at the same time he not doing no talking (laughs) no and this is the most interesting thing lou williams was talking he was talking about the clippers quarantine group chat i guess that they text each other a lot and amazingly i was shocked by this he said Kawhi talks the most in their group chat leadership he the leader i guess leadership but he probably only sending emojis he probably not saying oh see (laughs) i thought Kawhi would have been the guy who would be like someone makes a joke or someone says something and then like five hours later he responds he He just says lol or haha that that's what i would have thought Kawhi would have been but i guess he talks a lot super active he the one in the chat talking about what's up guys what's up (laughs) fellas what we doing yeah yep that's him See, that's the thing. Like, it's a misconception with Kawhi. And my friend always used to tell me that. A good friend of mine used to always tell me that. It's a misconception about Kawhi. He's really probably a party animal. And thus, that video we seen of him in Atlanta at the strip club. It's like, I think he gives us the, uh, a false impression of who he really is. Like, Kawhi really is, probably is this fun guy. We really say he is. He might be that person for real. It's just, yeah, he's just kind of putting on a face to, to tell people that. He, he's not a party animal who talks a lot. He may yeah, honestly, if Kawhi had a whole secret life that no one knew about, at this point, I don't know if I would be shocked. Seeing Kawhi in the strip club, that's like that's secretive. Like that's something we would never ever see, expect no. to see him. So that alone, right there, says enough. <laughs> like maybe he's just the maybe he's just the craziest guy. Loves going to clubs. Loves going to bars. He's probably living it up in quarantine. We don't know. I haven't heard anything about other than this. 
I haven't seen anything about Kawhi. You see all all these NBA players. LeBron has been, you know, Instagram live videos and, and he's been tweeting and you see all these players, Steph Curry doing stuff. Growing. <laughs> we have not heard anything. Yeah, Steph Curry talking about he could drop 60 on everybody. He had a quarantine guy, folks, tripping. Because Steph think he could just drop 60 points on any team. He told someone that during an IG live. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> this is Listen, this is prime time NBA terrible takes. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is the best time for your Get your all your crappy NBA takes out while you can when everyone's quarantined and they can all argue online because they have nothing else better to do. Yeah. This is the perfect time for that. So I appreciate Steph doing that, honestly, giving us something to talk about. And then you got Kendrick Nunn, who believes he's yeah, the rookie about of hot the takes. year over John Moran. And you yeah, know what? I don't, too, I don't disagree too much. Like, No, I, I mean, I think Josh should be rookie of the year. But I, I – the thing is, what else like, would you expect I like his from case. Kendrick? Yeah, what what else would you if you ask Kendrick Nunn who do you think should be rookie of the year? I would not have expected him to say, "Oh, of course, John Morant." I would have expected him to say himself, and that's what he did. Because he looked at it like this, like, "Okay, we both start on this. We both start for our respective teams. That's number one. Our stats are somewhat similar, not similar, but somewhat similar. Yeah, John Morant, you you know you swing the ball around a little more than I do. You have more assists than I do. However, you know our points are somewhat the same and I probably have I lead this team in scoring more often than most people probably think because Jimmy Butler's not the leading scorer for this team every night because sometimes it will be me and sometimes I will be the the leading scorer if not the uh, the second option on this team so like I am a key part of this team as a rookie I am important and I currently sit on this team the Miami Heat I sit fourth and your team sits eighth so my team has more success than yours and I'm a big reason a part of that. There's no reason why I shouldn't be rookie of the year. Now that's Kendrick Nunn's case. Now you got John Morant. You know you can, he can he can probably say the same thing too. So you know, but just don't right. add Zion because Zion don't count because Zion only played 14 games. And yeah, 14 no, games don't cut it. Nope, throwing throwing Zion out of the race right there, <laughs> right right here and now. Race. Oh yeah, absolutely. But my question to you would be if if Kendrick Nunn was on a team kind of like the Grizzlies that were not exactly trying to compete for a championship like the Miami Heat are. If he, if he was on a smaller team that may not be in the race, would he be better, worse, or the same, do you think? He'd probably be the same, but I would hope his situation is the same, meaning that like he gets the opportunity to get those same amount of minutes to see if he can prove himself. Because if you can't get those same amount of minutes for him to prove himself, then it's, it'll be unclear whether or not it, what he'd be able to do, you know. So that's how I look right. at it with Kendrick. So like, right. So if he was, you know, on the Timberwolves or something like that, he would probably have the same type of performance, the same type of an of a, of a style of play. And he'd be yeah. scoring as well and defending as well. But I don't know. But yeah, but you'd be like, it's tough to really say if like he'd have the team would have success, you know, like who is like who who is that to really say like that would be able that that would be the case that he would have the same success over there in Minnesota where they ain't playing no defense. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> versus, very true. Uh, Versus a gritty, a gritty Miami team where they get they get with it defensively. Very true. The last thing, so the last thing I wanted to bring up, uh, because I've been seeing some tweets today uh, as we're recording on Monday and the last couple over the weekend as well. The NFL draft is having a remote draft, as I hope everyone knows at this point, is they're going to be all drafting remotely. And there have been issues that have been reported at least on Monday today where they talked about some GMs struggling with with some of the technology and some of the technology having issues because they oh 
Well, that's, you know, that's 100% possible. Um, but we know that the NBA is most likely going to have to do something like this. That's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, they, really, uh, they need millennials in there. They're too old. They need to get some young millennials in there to get them some jobs. You get these young millennials that I hear that need jobs coming out of college. Get them some jobs. You need man. to get them one of those uh, <laughs> those phones that you give to the senior citizens that have like three buttons, <laughs> and you just give them the one button is like trade pick, the other is make pick. <laughs> you just give them three buttons. That's all they have you to gotta, worry about. You, we gotta make a meme after after the show. We gotta make a <laughs> meme because I want to do that. I want to get one of those phones. We gotta make a meme. I'm not gonna talk about it right now, but we gotta make a meme like we'll, that. We'll figure out some good content. But I just was thinking the NBA because the NBA draft is obviously over the summer and they're going to have to figure out when they're going to do that first of all, and then how they're going to do that because most likely they're not going to be able to, to have it in the same room. So they're going to have to do it the same as the NFL. So I was just thinking that we may see some of the same issues, maybe not because some of these front offices do skew a bit younger than, than the NFL front offices, but they may have some similar issues possibly. Well, you know what? I think it'll probably be more It'll be more simple for the NBA as opposed to the NFL because the NFL got seven rounds and it's like hundreds of guys, right? As opposed to uh, the NFL, I mean, uh, NBA, where, you know, you're only drafting 60 spots and, you know, and it's going to be quick. You know, the NBA, NFL draft is three days and you got you may have to find a guy that you, uh, that you like and you can't get in contact with them and this and that. Where like an NBA, that's not, that probably shouldn't be the case or probably wouldn't be the case because like, let's say it's smaller. It's a smaller draft. You got to know the guys that you really want, you know, anyway. So I don't think the NBA should be too affected by that in terms of like the technology aspect of it. But uh, I think it should work out, especially, you know, with the NFL being first, the NBA can learn from NFL mistakes. Right. And that I think that's going to be the key is they have to kind of see how this NFL draft works, because it may it may just be a huge disaster. (laughs) Teams may not be able to get in contact with each other and get in contact with the players they're trying to draft. It may just be a huge disaster. And then the NBA comes in a couple months later, figures out all the issues, and they have a real smooth draft. Mm-hmm. They look like the ones that knew that knew what they were doing the whole time. <laughs> exactly. <That's, laughs> that is that is the huge key right there. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have to talk about. That's it for us, Ben. I think that's all I got, especially for this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast. Thank you all for listening to the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Zach Badger House, myself, and, of course, Ben Wittenstein. Make sure you follow both of us on Twitter. Make sure you follow Stadium on Twitter as well for all your updated and breaking news for the NBA. Make sure you follow our guy, Shams. And make sure you listen to other podcasts presented by Stadium, such as Trash and Treasure with Amina and Felder that comes out every Thursday, just how we come out. Whenever we decide to come out, honestly, because, you know, that's just how we <laughs> Julia, operate yeah. nowadays, you know, yeah. with this quarantine situation. So, you know, you just expect it throughout the week to get a brand new episode of the Points in the Paint podcast. And we'll see you guys next time.